So a Sunday school teacher <coughs> was teaching four and five-year-olds shared this parable of the prodigal son. And then she wanted to try to tease out the details with the kids. So she asked, who was the most upset when the prodigal son came home? One of the boys raised their, his hand and said, the fattened calf. probably true. <laughs> Poor guy. There are some who say, and I think we would all agree, that these three parables of mercy that we find in the Gospel of Luke are some of the most beautiful parables in all of Scripture. These, perhaps, best of all, convey the beauty and the power of God's mercy and what that mercy is like and that we see incarnate and visible in Jesus Christ. The readings today lead us quite naturally to the topic of forgiveness, which as we know is one of the spiritual works of mercy, to forgive the offenses of others, something that we need to do on a daily basis. So let's reflect together on forgiveness. Let's try to understand what we are doing when we forgive and how this forgiveness is an act of mercy. And I hope also we'll see how humility can help us greatly in giving this forgiveness that we need each day. To begin, we must recall a foundational truth. You and I and every single human being was made in the image of a God who is love, whose very essence is love, a communion of three persons in this mutual exchange of love that we call the Trinity. And so to understand what this means for us is that we were made by love, in love, for love. We were made to receive love and to give love. And this is why it is very normal and right that we would have a natural expectation to be loved by one another and that we would also feel hurt when that love is not given or when we ourselves are failing to love. St. Paul talks about this love as being something like a debt. He says in the letter to the Romans, Owe no one anything except the debt of love. There's a debt of love that you and I owe to God as a response to his tremendous love for us. 
And that love is spelled out in that first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul. The debt of love that I owe to you and every neighbor in my life is expressed in the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or as Jesus put it, love one another as Jesus has loved us. Before that first sin, because Adam and Eve were completely in communion with God, who is the source of love, they were able to pay that debt to God and to each other. But the moment they fell, they found it extremely hard to render that debt to God and to each other. They did not realize that that sin separated themselves from the very source of love that would allow them to freely and easily make good on these debts. When you and I have to pay a bill, we can pay those bills because there's a source of money in the bank. And we need to somehow access that reservoir, that source, if we're going to pay our medical bills or mortgage on the house or whatever it is. You and I cannot pay to God or to one another the debt of love on our own. We must always withdraw that love, we could say, from the bank, which is the heart of God, the source of love. And so as you and I, each day, as we try to pay this debt of love, we find that we often fail. Is there anyone here today that, that offered to God that love with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength yesterday or this morning? Is there anyone here today? Can I see your hand, please? Isn't that something? We all realize we fall short. And then, obviously, between now and last week, we could maybe even count the times when we failed to love a friend. We failed to love a sibling. We failed to love our parents. We failed to love our children or our spouse or a coworker or a deacon. <laughs> what we find is that there is something broken in us, that our ability to love has been wounded and weakened. And God looks upon this fallen condition and his response is what? It is mercy. That's why St. Paul could say, this is certain and true, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Fallen, broken, weak, and frail, just like me. And as I, like St. Paul, he talks about this experience of receiving so much mercy from God. 
And as I experience how patient God has been through my life toward my brokenness, as I experience the tenderness of God for my weakness, and as I experience his constant mercy toward my failures and my sins, I need to experience that so that I can be patient, tender, and merciful toward myself and toward other people. Because in a minute, we're going to pray a prayer together. We call it the Our Father. And there is a line in that prayer that is unbelievable. And I'm going to use a different translation to connect with the way I started. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. St. Augustine rightly said, that's a dangerous petition. Because what we are basically saying to God, God, I want you to condition and forgive me the same way that I forgive others. Whoa. That makes me want to look very carefully at how I forgive my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because boy, do I want God to forgive me. But let's take a look at what is God saying when he forgives us? You see, God is the only one that can judge a human being. And he's the only one who can be completely, perfectly merciful. Because God does not see just a small part of my life. He sees the whole picture. He knows me through and through. He knows that I was born into a fallen, sinful world. He knows that even after my baptism, I still have a strong inclination towards sin, that I have a default button that easily tends towards selfishness and egotism. God knows the history of my wounded, broken heart, how the sins of other people have hurt me, how my own personal sins and failures have harmed me, how the culture and the spirit of the world has either helped or harmed me. He knows why I have the weaknesses that I do. They're going to be different than yours, but God knows why you have yours. God sees the whole picture, and he says, I'm not going to take away the obligation of the debt of love that you owe to me and to your neighbor. That stays because you were made to love and to receive love. But I see that because of your sinfulness, weakness, and brokenness, you can't pay that debt very well. So I forgive you your failure to pay that debt and make good on it. But I want you to keep coming to me 
to let my redeeming love increase your capacity and ability to receive love and give love so that you can pay that debt a little better today than you did yesterday. And this is what God wants us to say to each other. Because as you and I try to love each other, oh my gosh, failures to love, failures. And I can say to you because of St. Paul, as I experience my weakness, as I fail to love, as I struggle to pay this debt, I'm not surprised that you struggle too. You're a sinner like me. You're going to have your weaknesses, your own rhythm of growth and conversion. And even though it's different than mine, you're weak just as I'm weak. And there's going to be days like me where you are going to fail. And as I'm not surprised when I fail, I'm not going to be surprised when you fail. And therefore, as God, I hope, will forgive me. And as I hope you will forgive me when I fail, I'm going to forgive you the debt of love that you were not able to pay today, at least not completely. But let's go to God together so that we can withdraw money from the bank. We can withdraw the love that we need so that maybe tomorrow you and I can pay that debt a little better and give a little more. This is what Jesus is doing in the Eucharist. He's going to pour his love into us because he knows we can't pay this debt unless he gives us his own love so that you and I can leave here today and by his grace we can pay the debt of love. But if we fail, we can also find mercy. So let us forgive one another as we hope God to forgive us, but let us together keep coming to Jesus so that we can render that debt a little better. Amen?